You are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. My name is Nick. And my name is John. Today we will be discussing the entirety of HBO's Westworld TV series through Season 3, as well as some of your feedback. We will be spoiling everything through Season 3, Episode 8 of the series, so please pause and go catch up if you're not current on the show. You can find more episodes of our podcast at westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz slash Patreon or patreon.com slash MidwestPodnet and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better Special thanks to Jason K. Gojo and newcomer Sidsa, who have pledged at the level of $10 per month. We appreciate you guys very much, and everybody who throws us a little cash uh, Mm -hmm. on a monthly basis. Yes, thank you. Your pictures are all on my wall. Yes. But you can't see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we uh, we somehow got your pictures, even if you didn't send them to us, and they're Mm -hmm. all up on the wall. They're Um, just Evan Rachel Wood. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> the Midwest Podcast Network has many other shows, one of which is Horror Movie Yearbook. They just uh, went over there. They just recorded their 100th episode, and it is out on the feed for people to enjoy. You can listen to some of their favorite horror movies of all time. Please go check it out. And, of course, the Midwest Gamers Podcast, of which John is the host. And uh, we just talked about a video game known as... Gears Tactics. Gears Tactics. That's what it was this past weekend. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, very memorable discussion. I hope you all enjoy listening to it. <laughs> Alex must have sent a proxy this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nick and bring, I may be back, back. Alex Prime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to find Alex Prime in Berlin. Um, <laughs> Nick and I may be back in the future to discuss The Alienist or the second season of the TV series based off of the book The Angel of Darkness. Yes. I always have to question it. I never know for sure because uh, I can't read. And so please join us on that journey if and when it is announced and whatever. I don't even know what they're going to call the TV series. They could I call th- it The Alienist Season 2. I think it- it's called The Alienist colon the angel of darkness i think i read that somewhere yeah i could also be making that up you don't want the fans of tnt's the alienist to not be able to find your sequel series show exactly yes so you don't want to miss out on all those views yes (laughs) all right uh with all of that out of the way uh we i whined about emails last week and we got a whole lot of them uh, and I even, I missed one of them from our buddy Yoop from several weeks back. He emailed us after episode three. Uh, and so I'm going to read that one real quick. Then we're going to talk to John about his thoughts on season three. And then we can kind of have a bigger discussion based off of those thoughts, or we'll go into some feedback. So a little bit loosey goosey today, but we'll, we'll have a good time and talk about some Westworld here. Uh, so real quick, Yoop wrote in with subject line feedback, and he said, Hi guys, how are you doing over there? The Netherlands has almost been on a complete lockdown since March 10th. I have to work from home, and all the restaurants, movie theaters, and other places where people meet have been closed. 
This will be in effect until at least April the 28th, Strange, strange Times and Deeds. Indeed. This, this email was sent on April 1st, of course, so I asked him to give me an update for how long their lockdown has been extended, if it has, but he has not replied back yet. So if he does so within this episode, I will let people know. Uh, he says, after listening to your last episode, which was a recap for episode three, I had some thoughts about what the heck is going on. First, about Serac and whether or not he is real. You talked about needing glasses to see him and how that might be a sign he is an AI. Well, in the opening of episode one, Dolores puts glasses on the man in his house to let him relive a memory and trick him into killing himself. So there is evidence that the glasses are a tool to project people or videos, even if that person is real. Very true, Yoop. Did not end up being true about Serac, but uh, that's all right. Uh, he said, as to who is inside Hale, I bet on Angela. She was helping Dolores with the revolution and, the, and is a more minor character from the park. He ended up being incorrect about that. He goes on to say, she can be pretty aggressive, but also has been a person that welcomes visitors before they enter the park. This is where she gets her motherly instincts from. When we see William meeting her before he goes in the park, she makes it clear that he can have sex with her. It fits with the scene between Hale and her ex-husband. That's not a bad parallel to draw. That works pretty well. Um, but then he goes on to say, in regards to your young Dolores theory and the image you described about two people reflecting each other, that sure sounds a lot like the opening for season three. And lastly, great shout out to the movie Noah. The moment you said that I thought about when I say that in the theater, how it was with me that very hot and during the day nostalgia, man. Hope you stay safe and healthy. Cheers. You thank you for writing in. I'm very sorry that I missed this at the time. It would have been much more. Much more of a discussion starter back then, but I think you raised some great points about the Angela and uh, and Charlotte Hale comparisons from this this season, but it did not end up being true, unfortunately. So, yeah, but we appreciate you. Oh yeah, we're glad you wrote in. We're glad that you were along the ride with us, even if we did not acknowledge it at the time. But uh, John, yo, you uh. You've been in our Discord talking about season three of Westworld. Yes, I have. And um, you have different opinions about it than we do. So why don't you give us kind of your overall impression of how season three was for you? Overall, I really enjoyed this season. I thought it was uh, really well done. I know one of the things that I spoke about in the Discord was that uh, I do think they could have benefited from i think more episodes or a little more money but obviously like i don't think that's anyone's fault except hbo's to blame them i suppose Mm. um but yeah i just like my my biggest criticism uh is more geared towards and don't i not no nothing personal but more (laughs) geared towards you guys because i feel like um Well, for for one, like I know, like you you guys are are huge film buffs, and you like to dissect these things on a whole different level than I do, and that's that's great. But it was like list like the the overall tone of the podcast episodes for me was kind of just like uh, I don't know, and it just kind of <laughs> kept bringing me down. Like yeah. every time, I, like I liked listening to it because you guys. It's funny because like in between you guys criticizing the the artistic merits and and things uh, you know the writing uh well mostly the writing because like i think everybody kind of hated the writing this season except me i didn't really it didn't bother me i enjoyed it uh but there is there is in between those bits you guys would come up with these really great like explanations for things that were happening 
And it was like really fun to start exploring that with you, which is why I'd be so reactive to what I was listening to with you guys Mm -hmm. in the discord. So it's less of a criticism of the show itself and more of a criticism of you. So take that for what it is (laughs) of this Um, show. Yeah. (laughs) I love you guys regardless, but it's just something that like kind of, it's, that's just something that really struck me differently about this season was, was the way it was being interpreted by everyone else watching it and it's not just you guys either it was like it going through the subreddit and reading the comments and just like it's hard it's one of those things where like similar to i'm gonna say star you know star wars episode nine like i enjoyed star wars <laughs> episode nine and a lot of people that i saw it with were just like not so much and it kind of made me feel bad about it the same you know like while i'm sitting in the theater like reacting to it and like everyone else is like that was terrible and i'm like i had a fucking great time like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> So it's it's a similar feeling to that where like I feel as though like I don't have because I'm not able to look at it the way you guys do or necessarily give it that critical eye that you are that for some reason like I'm not syncing up with you necessarily I guess but um, overall the season I really enjoyed it I thought it was awesome I really liked exploring a lot of the ideas behind AI and that sort of stuff specifically, uh, you know, how everybody's talking about like the, the early speculation of, um, Serac being this, you know, uh, projection of Rehoboam, I thought was like super interesting. And it's funny because even though he wasn't like an actual projection of Rehoboam, he kind of was, he was like, a conduit basically. Right? Yeah. Like he, yeah. he was, he was Rehoboam. He was acting as Rehoboam in a way in, in a shell, you know? And, uh, so even though that theory was false, like th- that idea is really cool to me. Um, and the the one criticism I, I kind of balked at you guys about in the last episode was uh, the cornerstone idea, how it wasn't brought up uh, in regards to Bernard, because I think that's super important um, specifically for him as a character, because I think that's going to develop further down the line as he becomes more human, quote unquote. Mm. Um you're speaking specifically to the fact that his memories of Charlie were a cornerstone that that yes. Ford had given him in his original incarnation, and so him coming to terms with that in the scene with uh, his with Arnold's wife in the last episode of the season uh, was meaningful. Yes, be- specifically from the standpoint of he was given this cornerstone of grief and like this memory that's very like sad. And in meeting back with Lauren and talking to him or talking to her and being able to kind of uh, come to terms with that is a different level of humanity that I think will help him unlock into uh, be- becoming a, um, a a more human host. You know, he's going yeah. to because he's able to now. I You know, I, what are the stages of grief like the, that's that's the one where you accept acceptance. Some sort, yeah. Yeah, and so he's now able to move on from that, which, you know, it kind of makes his cornerstone moot, like it's no longer important, but it kind of is in a different way. It's just altered uh, who he is as a uh, as a human host yeah. hybrid. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I Like, I don't know if you had specific questions. Like, it, I... I well, uh, not, not as of yet, necessarily. I mean, okay. uh, Nick, let's hear your rebuttal. I'm just kidding. Um, 
<laughs> taking notes right now. <laughs> no, well, I mean, Nick had a great metaphor. If I'm going back through the chat where he's like, Westworld's been preparing me a steak and serving it to me in a wonderful restaurant where I can enjoy everything around me. This season could also be a steak, but it's just being served to me curbside. I like most of what they're trying to do. I just don't like the execution. And I, I agree with that. Like, I think that's a great metaphor. Uh, especially considering the fact that we're all living off of curbside food for the most part, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, it it just uh, I I don't know. Like I I I I agree with you, but I don't necessarily feel that I I was affected that way by the show because I like I said earlier on, I think in that same conversation, I have this tendency to um, suspend disbelief all the time. Like I I just kind of I don't know if that's me just becoming more engaged with the story or whatever's being presented to me, but I have this ability to just tune out the, the nonsense and just kind of focus on what is literally being shown to me at the time without really thinking about the things that are affecting that from the outside, I suppose. I think that's fair. And here's the thing. I think what has been difficult for us in not only this podcast but also preacher and nick feel free to chime in at some point but it uh it's i think as someone who consumes podcasts and makes them it's hard to listen to people when they don't necessarily enjoy the thing that they're talking about yeah for sure and um it's not as though like our in my mind, Westworld FM isn't necessarily just a let's dissect the text that the show is giving us. It's also kind of what are our personal feelings about how it's working and what it's doing. And so it's, I think there's a world out there where like there's probably YouTube videos of dudes from Bald Move or The Ringer or something like that who are sitting there and being like, here's all the Easter eggs, things you need to know. This is a reference to that. And that is all that. And that's all out there. But I, I think Westworld FM is meant to be kind of our document of what Westworld makes us feel at that particular snapshot in time. And not necessarily just a, just a philosophical debate about what the show is presenting. It can turn into that. And I think it can waver between those two points. Um, but I didn't like, it's not necessarily meant to be just the, just the chewing on the text. It's also the, the critique in my opinion. So Nick, I don't know if you agree with that or not. I would assume you do. Yeah, I think so. I, I, (laughs) hmm. this show's weird. Uh, Westworld FM has been weird because it never really had like a clear cut, uh, mission statement i think to me anyway like personally with preacher and the alienists they were kind of the same thing where it was like i've read this book i love this book cool it's getting adapted i want to talk about it but also inevitably compare it to the book what works better in the live action adaptation what doesn't work as well etc and then it's been a fun hook because alex you haven't read anything so it's helpful that you haven't experienced those stories on the same level and it it makes for kind of a clear picture of what the show is going to be about when we go into it. Mm -hmm. And Westworld was funny because I don't even remember how it started. I think we just both watched the trailer for the first season and we're like, Oh, that looks cool. Let's let's talk. We don't have (laughs) two shows going on right now at the same time. Let's do another one. (laughs) Uh, And 
Yeah, it just kind of hooked us, and I don't, I haven't, I, I never go back and listen to anything that we've recorded. It's very, very rare that I do, because I always end up getting really annoyed with myself and hating what I said. Mm. Um, so sometimes when I do go back and listen to something, it actually helps me do better the next time, because I think of all the things I could have uh, cut out and h- helped censor myself, like what I'm saying right now, and with that show, I, I would love to go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes to kind of see what sort of form it was taking. Because I feel like they were probably very like, what is this? <laughs> what did you it's think funny. of that? What did it's, you? Oh, that was cool. Did you like the seat? Yeah, I like that part, too. And it probably was very just this kind of funny back and forth. Uh, how we both were just fanboying over how cool and original and fresh it was. And I think. The law. The more time you spend with something, you know. I. John, it's funny, John, that you brought up episode nine because I keep bringing up episode nine in comparison to Westworld, and I don't know why because it doesn't make any sense <laughs> other than to think that it, they're both the third installment in a mm. sort of trilogy of sorts. But the reason they're both disappointing to me is because. Uh, they, I don't feel like they work great on their own, but to me, they also don't work as the continuation of the previous two chapters that we've seen. Oh, for sure. I mean, I can like they weren't given the diligence that the other two were to this, you know, to the the extent. Um, but I, I mean, this thing, I don't mean to like discount uh, what you guys do with uh, Westworld FM because I think it definitely has merit and and. It, you know, the show deserves to be looked at critically from an artistic standpoint, especially considering your guys' background uh, with the film nerds and Nick, your schooling and everything like that's, that's important. Like, I think that is a good thing to do and it's cool. Um, it just like from, for, for me, it was like, it was hard because I, like, I wanted to be really excited about all these other ideas. And I guess that's a selling point to having the discord as a platform for that, because I was able to then explore those ideas with you guys. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And you and Sidsa had a back and forth going for the past like two or three days that I've just been too overwhelmed and busy to catch up on. And I mean, like you guys have been talking, there's been like, like I'll <laughs> sign into the discord after like a day and there's like paragraphs and mm-hmm. I want to reply to it. And by, by the time I get done reading it, I'm just like, this is too much for me to to process right now. And I really wanted to get into the conversation. It's just tough right now. But the reason I brought up the Star Wars thing was because I think uh, the more time you spend with something, the more you start to expect maybe some of the things you've already, you expect the same level of quality or higher. It's like familiarity breeds contempt, right? Like you're, you're in for so many years with a show, you expect it to either meet the same level or rise above it. And unfortunately, when something is new and fresh, or, or when it's no longer your definition of what makes it good might be narrowed down to what the earlier stuff was like. You know, like you, it's like your favorite restaurant. You get used to the menu a certain way and suddenly they change the menu on you. Well, it's still the same restaurant. It's still kind of the same food, but it's been changed up. Are you still going to like it as much, you know? Yeah. And it could go either way in that in that sense. Exactly. Think- yeah. And I think for me with this season, it kind of just went the other way. And I, I know for a fact I was stoked on the first episode of the season. Like, I loved it. And I remember, John, you and I both felt the same way. We were like, this is really cool. And Alex was like, yeah. <laughs> and we were like, no way, man, this is great. Like, all the new ideas, being outside of the park. Uh, the introduction of all these uh, crazy radical elements going on. 
was exciting. And then for me, it just kind of like just gonna slowly, slowly. I'm sure if you <laughs> go <laughs> listen to the last eight episodes to just chart the enthusiasm, you can <laughs> you can hear it. They'd be like, man, the frequency of Nick's voice just dropped by <laughs> so many megahertz throughout the. Uh, yeah, Which, if anybody wants to uh, analyze the individual vocal tracks no, to see... <laughs> don't do that. Just write in some feedback instead. Uh, that's more helpful. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think, you know, all all thoughts and feelings are on, on the season are certainly valid. And, um, I'm, and, the, gl- and I'm glad that so many people... I mean, there's a lot of people on the subreddit that really like it. And it bums me out that the people who didn't like it are kind of reduced to like a meme on the subreddit at this point. There's like people making threads being like, Oh, here's the, the anti season three people coming in. And I'm like, man, I didn't really like it, but I don't feel like it's cause I'm a meme. I just like <laughs> expected a little more out of it. That, yeah. That's the thing. Like, I, first of all, our, our purpose here is never to make people like a thing less. And if that's ever what we've done, we're sorry. Lance, um, we're sorry. Lance, we're so sorry. <laughs> John, we're so Apology sorry. Apology accepted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, and and you know, John, I've kicked myself in the ass after every week. Almost we recorded this season because I know that it sucks to listen to a show when the yeah. people aren't super into it. And I, I was trying to find a way to be critical of it and express my opinions without just seeming like we were just kind of Debbie Downer ragging on it. And I think for the most part, we did a pretty good job because we didn't hate the season through and through outright, but, uh, no, I yeah, mean, overall I, I, you guys were more positive than the subreddit was. And like I said, having bits and pieces of like, uh, <laughs> the, the ideas and the philosophy and the speculation being peppered throughout is always super nice to, uh, to come to and, and again like the selling point of the discord over like just going to the subreddit is like you have fewer people in the mix so you get a much more elaborate train of yeah, thought out of specific people right whereas like in the subreddit it's so easy to get lost in the comments and then all of a sudden you're sitting there like asking like why did i just waste three hours listening to these like 25 30 fucking morons <laughs> like talk about this stuff because they're ter- they're terrible like so it's it's nice to have that uh, auxiliary outlet to go to to like be like hey like I think these things and then to have a couple of people a couple of people literally like agree with you but then also elaborate with you in a way that like supports the things that you're saying and brings up new ideas and philosophies and things that you hadn't even thought about so you know it, it's it it's what you guys do is beneficial either way. And it's again, nice to have the, the discord to, to kind of fall back on when I, when I need to get that extra kick of things. And, and again, like I would listen to the episodes of Westworld FM and respond to you guys in real time as I was listening to it. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, you didn't say this one thing. And then three seconds later, yeah. you're like, <laughs> you say it. And I was like, just kidding. Like <laughs> there it is. So it was, it was funny to do That's that. That's me with, with you. Uh, the game nerds, except I'm texting Alex. I can't believe you didn't. Wait, you did. (laughs) There was something in one of your most recent episodes where Alex was like, oh, Nick's going to kill me for not remembering this. And now I don't, I don't even remember what it was, but I actually, I was driving and like, I chuckled and I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm pretty annoyed right now. (laughs) There was something that I I was thinking to mention. I think you couldn't remember the name of Limbo. I think you were talking about Play Dead and you couldn't remember Limbo. And I was like, 
Come on, man. I think you even <laughs> I think you even referenced the spider thing. And, I did. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Anyway, different show. But yeah. So I mean, overall, I think I guess here, Nick, you've had about a week or a little a little more change to kind of digest your thoughts a little bit more. Did you, Is that did how you long come it's been? to any further feelings or thoughts before before we start delving into some some emails because i want to kind of check in with each of us just to see just as far as the season yeah has anything Um, solidified in your mind or i think i was uh, i was inevitably starting to compare it to preacher for some reason uh, the last couple days and i was thinking about the the way i felt watching that uh versus this and they're not really too comparable all i can say is like with Preacher, uh, yeah, I was thinking about season four, and I was thinking about how the show turned into something pretty different from the books in a lot of regards, and yeah. especially with how it ended in the whole final season. But I think that with that show, it it wasn't what I wanted, it, but it was what it needed to be, and I ended up liking it, which was good. But I also ended up liking it for what it was and what it, what it needed to do and recognizing that like, okay, we need to change this to make this work. And like they, they made their version of preacher very successful. I think the story works. Mm -hmm. And with Westworld, I don't think through season three was what I wanted to be, but I also don't really think it was what it needed to be either. I don't think it helped advance the show in a, in a large meaningful way. Like, I don't feel like, a season's worth of story and uh, arcs happened and not enough to justify eight episodes of what we saw. I think things did happen, but a lot of it was just so wishy-washy and like, you know, I, there are, there are so many beats and so many moments that I remember from season one and from season two. And I feel like season three uh, you're going to be able to distill it down into like three bullet points or something very minimal and be like, this is what yeah. this season was about. And it just wasn't enough where I think the previous seasons, especially season one, which I, I know it's going to be annoying, broken record to compare it to season one, but every episode was just like this huge meal and every scene mattered and every, every encounter, every passing glance, every word of dialogue uh, every camera movement, everything had purpose and it mattered and it moved things forward and it introduced new information and new questions. And I think that season three was missing a lot of that, which was just kind of a bummer. I think production value wise, it was still really strong aside from maybe the the script supervisor needs a second look. But if all those <laughs> things that we thought were cool clues were just really, really bad continuity, then that's pretty strange. But um <laughs> You know, it, it looked it looked great. It still is like a top shelf looking and feeling show, which is really cool. Um, I just miss uh, a lot of the characters, <laughs> even though they were there the whole time, and uh, just didn't didn't feel too great about it in the end. But I am really optimistic for season four, especially re- considering what Nolan said in that interview. Like a lot of the things they were talking about, going back into other directions with season four. Um, I don't remember if it was one of us in the discord or someone in that article or that interview, but it's kind of saying that that season, season three feels almost like a, uh, giant table setting, almost like, almost like a, uh, no, Alex, it was you, you said you phrased it really well. It was like a transition, a transitionary Mm -hmm. season kind of. And I think that all that, that may be the case. And we may look back on it a lot more favorably, uh, as time passes. 
Yeah, I mean, just to kind of dig into my thoughts, I I do think that this season, um, I I have to say that by the end of it, I don't hate where things ended up. I like the fact that Maeve has this renewed purpose. I like the fact that Caleb was introduced and kind of has this role as the figurehead of humanity in in this whole at, at the table of this conversation of how does the future look with humans and hosts. Um, I love the fact that I, I love the idea of Dolores coming to the realization that humanity shouldn't be eradicated and should instead be given a choice. I think, I think everything about her turn could be extremely compelling. And the thing that let me down is the fact that her character development is hidden into the final episode of the season. Yeah. I think it could have been so much more meaningful to spend eight episodes watching Dolores moving towards executing this plan of destroying humanity and then eventually over the season coming to the realization that humans need to survive or need to figure it out themselves. And instead, we just get told that she changed her mind at some point in that final episode. And and that's the biggest disappointment to me. And, like, I, I love these characters. I want to spend more time with them. I love the big ideas that they're positing here. And I think they all are, are very interesting and great. The Rico app is awesome. Insight is interesting. And the way that they're used to manipulate humanity, I think, is all extremely compelling. Yeah, But the way that all these pieces fit together in the way that season three is presented to us does not do those themes and characters the justice that I think they deserve and would thought would have thought they would receive after something like season one and to a lesser extent season two. So overall, like Nick said, I, I feel like I'm still in the saddle for season four. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm certainly going to watch it. Um. And I, I want to know where these characters go, and I want to know how this journey continues. But this season feels feels like a misstep. And and the one thing I will say, being this transition season, having to establish the outside world of Westworld and what's going on with humanity as a whole is a Herculean task. And the fact that they shot for that is great. I don't know that they succeeded at it is is the problem to me and so you know it's it's a very mixed bag and the other thing that i will say the the other thing that makes me really sad i walk out of season two thinking about episodes like the riddle of the sphinx where you get to see this journey with james delos trying to be recreated as a human host hybrid you know trying to achieve the singularity i think about the episode uh Kiksuya with Akechita and his journey and how he's woven through season one and two kind of behind the scenes. And I don't think anything from season three hits those highs the way that season two did. And season two had some high highs and it had some low lows. Season one's probably the most consistent, but season three just did not quite achieve the greatness that those previous two seasons have set forth to me. And while that means I like it the least, 
I'd probably like season three of Westworld more than I would like season seven of True Blood. You know, like <laughs> I, I, I'd rather have a filet mignon from Outback Steakhouse than you know whatever I'd get from TGI Fridays. No offense to anybody who likes TGI Fridays or hates Outback. I don't know, but. Anyway, those are where the three of us kind of lie on season three. I don't know if anybody has any other thoughts that they'd like to express. My only, my final thought would just be that I have a feeling that a rewatch of this entire season is warranted. Like it, like I feel like it, like it, like I need to personally, because I feel like I'll pick up on other things that I definitely missed the first time around. And, um, I, again, like the, we were we were talking about titles for the uh, for the season, right? At yeah, some the point. subtitle. What were mm-hmm. what were the ones that you guys had come up with, or somebody had tweeted at you? Somebody, uh, I think it was Sitsa actually tweeted at us the mirror, which I think is possible. I, I, I think also... that's entirely possible, and I think part of it deals with, um, I think I think because the the seasons have these ties to. Uh, you know, like you said, the Riddle of the Sphinx, Egyptian mythology, and mm-hmm. uh, the maze could be tied to Greek mythology and the Minotaur and yada yada. And I think this kind of brings that, this season brings that back into the fold too, the idea of like uh, narcissism and, and mm. you know, th- that image of Narcissus looking at himself in the river, according to mythology, those two faces looking down like at each other is something that's shown in the credits. Uh, I think that idea could be explored more, but I think that sort of I- those sorts of ideas are uh, something that people will pick up more on, like in a in a secondary viewing of sorts. So I definitely want to go back and like rewatch it and see what what else is there. But you're also making me think now. I can finally comment on the eagle flying too close to the sun. Uh, yeah, uh, Icarus. And the Icarus, but also that's probably Serac would be my guess. Um, in 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 the the parlance of of what it means in the season he 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 tried to he wanted achieve. to be a god he wanted to be a god he wanted to achieve this grand goal and flew too close to the sun and and kind of burned up in it which i think is it's interesting but and the sun you know the metaphor of the uh the eclipse and everything ties into yep. that and i mean there's all those little bits and pieces i love talking about that kind of crap so i think a second viewing of the season will be something that like just helps me expand on those ideas because I just find that interesting. I'm very curious if viewing these eight episodes in a much more compressed timeline would make me less frustrated at what feels like a lack of character development. I think that's entirely possible too. Yeah. But I'm a firm believer in the power of a second viewing of, of everything. So yeah, I, I would agree that I need to give I need to just do the whole series again from uh, that's, I I basically started that. I started rewatching some of season one uh, this this past week, and uh, and it's it's been nice and and comfortable so far. But I I'm really excited to watch more season two because I don't think I watched it more than the the one time through. Um, even though I was double viewing episode double and triple and quadruple viewing episodes as we were making the podcast, but right. The, the only other general thing that I'll say, and Alex, what you were just kind of saying in your thoughts reminded me that I I did really love the big ideas of this season. Like, I've always liked the big ideas of this show, but this season in particular was pretty uh, incredible with what they went after and the 
drawing the parallels between humans and hosts has always kind of been a thing in the show, but not like nothing like what this season was going after. And when I think back to some of those moments in this season when we were really getting to see just how closely the two existences mirror each other, it was some were some pretty breathtaking moments. And I think about during uh, genre, the whole sequence when they went onto the train and we were just seeing that tiny scene of just that train car of people reacting to what they were seeing and knowing that that was, you know, magnified outside of that boxcar, but they're not boxcar, but within that uh, subway uh, was re- a really cool, small, intimate, effective way to tell that story. And I think that I just kind of would have liked a little more of that kind of thing, just like sm- explaining the big picture in small meaningful scenes like that i think would have gone a much longer way it's kind of like um in spider-man 2 when he just saves a train full of people and you only see like just those few people but you know that they are a representative of new york city on the whole and like that works so well uh it kind of reminds me of that not just the train situation but yeah um, so, you know, it's just good. really, really cool stuff. I just wish that it, it had been handled a little bit differently. But, uh, you know, there's plenty to go unless they, uh, unless season four is like 100 years in the future or something and all, and Caleb is gone and. Entirely possible. Right. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I mean, it should be kind of sweet. If they brought you the steak curbside still sizzling on a hot platter, would that make you feel better? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then you'd be eating your steak in the car, probably, right? You know, and I don't see a problem with that. I'm the guy who goes to the restaurant and gets like French fries and eats the whole thing of fries before I get home. Like that. Well, yeah, (laughs) I'll do that too. But this seems like a very morale trait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's me at the stop. I'm at the stoplight, like shoveling the fry the fry basket into my mouth. Like that's funny. Yeah, that wasn't the, uh, quite the image I was given here. I mean, it's, <laughs> the visual is better for you thankfully guys. Thankfully, this is an audio podcast. Yeah, that's pretty good. Two, two things of fries. Oh, yeah, yeah just like that. <laughs> yeah, um, the, steak, say, the steak metaphor worked out, I guess, but I, um, I I don't know if it actually... I don't know. Never mind. We don't even need to get into that. <laughs> I'm sure there's sure. a better metaphor, but it was off the cuff. Um, The... What I will say, I think in that interview that I posted with Jonathan Nolan, I think he stated that they would call the new season, or maybe it was a different one. I don't think I posted this one, but uh, they would subtitle the new season The New World, which kind of disappointed me that it's not just the and noun of some kind. Right. Unless it's one word. The trend from, yeah. Unless yeah. they combine it. The, the New World. Um, <laughs> Al Farrell and Christian Bale and... Terrence Malick and Kilcher. who else is in the new world? Ben Mendelsohn <laughs> yeah. is in one shot, I think. Um, anyway, that might be the first mention of Ben Mendelsohn this entire season of Westworld, I doubt him, it. which is shocking in my opinion. But <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> I think about him uh, every day. He's like that uh, that picture of Wolverine from X Men cartoon at the picture yeah. frame where his hand on it. That's me with Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> So true. So true. Um, all right, let's get some emails. We got a we got a big one here from Paul. Uh Paul says, Dear Nick and Alex, Westworld FM fam. Uh and we'll imply John in there too. 
Number one off the top, I have to say you guys have the best Westworld co- podcast cover art and some be- some of the best eps. It sounded like a, for a second you guys hated 307, but when it came to beat by beat recap of uh, Westworld FM, 307 was starting a crystallization of the little details of the unconfirmed theories that were highlights of the season. I'll stop here real quick and say John is the one who designed the Westworld FM mm-hmm. podcast. That cover art. that's uh, that's the kind of recognition I'm looking for. Thank you. That, that there you go. Yeah, that bloats my ego is necessary. I need that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and you did the preacher artwork as well, right? It, the mm-hmm. Gone to Texas. You've and... done literally all of the shows except for Westworld FM, I believe, or horror movie. Or yeah, I'm sorry, horror movie or book is what I meant to say. No. Yeah, they, those so. guys did their own, and that's fine because it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's yeah. exactly what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very good. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll continue on with Paul's email here. Shining details are not less important for being not less important for being unevenly placed. A consistent show may be doomed nowadays. There's a meta narrative of what's the show doing this season that has to be different each season. An ensemble cast has to have rising and falling stars, or it's not a series of events so much as a soap opera of how everyone feels about everything that's not happening. Whatever surprised you last time is exactly what you expect next time. 99% of everything is like something else, but compare and rank isn't always the best way to connect. The appeal of the woman you love isn't handsome features she shares with attractive women. It's something that's not quite like anything. It's different every day, and if you think back on it, maybe it means even more in retrospect. What if being invested in a show means finding that something which is hard to put words to every week, even in the most painful or challenging episode? I think that's what you guys do. Crisis theory in AI or psychology relates to dissonance between expectation and result. Ideas can defy words and deep learning in something like photo identification results in hundreds of layers of heuristics that we don't understand at all. We can't describe what a layer does. All we know is that if you take that element out of the predictive program, the result is worse. Fewer correct tags, fewer very useful results, more false positives. UK criminal reports, uh, or no, excuse me, UK criminal courts Uh, Don't find a man guilty or innocent. They rule upon charges brought against a defendant, proved or not proved. Many season three theories remain not proved, but that's not to say that they are false. One culprit that's turned Marvel movies into Marvel movies is the sense that everything needs to make just as much sense dubbed in whatever language or on whatever screen for whatever audience. If there's not something for everyone, just make the humor broader, make the fighting more destructive, make the drama more dramatic, have the character say how they're feeling instead of just feeling it. Dad was in the bathroom the first time she said that what that Dad was in the bathroom the first time she said what that plan was. Wait, was that the big fight? Wait, is she really dead? Show me again. I think we need to forget the idea of, quote, building characters as if a show creator could add layers and layers of information every episode to create the right meaning, which is what we as competent audience members can then correctly identify and use to predict everything. Until a twist breaks the pattern. Can any of us fully predict what any other person will do or say over a period of time? We can't even do that for ourselves. How is drama or speculative fiction supposed to be lifelike or interesting if we expect it to be more consistent and predictable than real life. One more big paragraph here. Thank you, Paul, for this very thoughtful email. Does it defy belief that a person could go for a week or two weeks, Caleb, or a month, Maeve, without a definite plan in place? Does it mean that someone is inconsistent or not worth thinking about? Quote, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation, end quote. 
Neither Maeve nor Caleb is in possession of all the facts or power at any point in the story. Maeve's abilities are specific, and she also has some specific hopes and fears. She didn't pick a side. She waited until she could get more and better information. The exact same speech from Dolores in Episode 1 wouldn't have meant the same thing to Maeve because, as she'd pointed out, Dolores can say anything. What has changed by 308 is, Dolor- is that Dolores' actions, not just her spoken or unspoken words, have demonstrated resolve, temperance, and compassion. The many bodies problem has played out. Moves have been made and lives have been lost, lives have been spared. Bernard has been entrusted with a critical liability and duty and risk. The same could be said for the, any of the principal confirmed Dolores or, or for Caleb or for Maeve. Dolores herself has made herself vulnerable to so many possible horror show outcomes, including erasure by promoting a strategy that relies heavily on people who aren't exactly like her. Maeve and the audience need to see the full text of everything Dolores has done, not just said, to actually know her. If we say that means her character didn't do didn't mean anything until she finally spoke what we wanted to hear in the last episode, I think that's a very backwards response. The fact is that when the moment comes for her to explain herself, it's all on her whether her words and demeanor convey whatever she wants them to. Every other episode, it's on us to see if we can find meaning in who she is and what she's doing. Regards, Paul. Paul, that's a very, very well thought out response. Um, Absolutely, there's a there's a lot, there's a lot to the, uh, to think cer- about there. Certainly, I, and and I I think I completely agree with the idea that the way that the show is currently presented um, and the way that the plot points fall that. I don't necessarily think that anybody's ne- like acting unreasonably. I don't think Caleb acts unreasonably. The only thing that makes me feel like Maeve acts unreasonably is that the character is not consistent with what we've seen from season one and two in the sense of being this person who does not feel or does not take to subjugation very lightly. Um, however, Paul's whole email is about how consistency is not something we should expect from people (laughs) as humans but i think in my opinion something like fiction isn't necessarily meant to be a direct reflection of us as people however this does tie in greatly with with the post that nick just made in our in our uh uh preacher preacher channel in our discord about how the show kind of mirrors the big lebowski and kind of the ending of the big lebowski and why the the things aren't all tied together, but I, I appreciate what Paul is saying, but I don't necessarily think like it feels like the show's thesis would have changed in season three if this is what they were going for. And it's Nick, a it's a think? really tough situation using Maeve as kind of an example for how much consistency versus change is acceptable, because. I agree a hundred percent. You can't expect consistency and you can't be able, you can't expect to predict how a person is going to behave, but Maeve isn't a person. So on the one hand, I agree with you, Alex, that uh, a character has been established over the course of two seasons and we kind of expect her behavior to be in line with those. But the hosts are kind of at a point in the season where they're changing their experiences are informing them and informing who they are. And I think Charlotte, uh, Dolores Hale, uh, is the best example of that. Right. And we kind of talked Mm -hmm. about this in like episode maybe two or three or whatever, 
uh, earlier yeah. on, saying that she's obviously not going to have the same experiences as Dolores Prime because they're in two different places. They're in two different bodies. They're having two different lives go on. So naturally, every little uh, decision, every little instance of every happening is going to change who they are in some little way. It's like, uh, you know, if, if there's a me right now and then I split off into another reality, you know, at, at 7 a.m. tomorrow, while the one me who takes one way to work and the other me who gets stopped at a light, suddenly everything's different. It's chaos mm -hmm. because they're having two different experiences and something. And though that little one little instance like that, like speeding through a, light, a yellow light or stopping, not that I ever do that. Uh, it's going to change what how the those two me's are going to behave. Probably, you know, it's like little uh, uh, what's that sound of thunder, like that idea that the butterfly has mm -hmm. wings and all that. Um, so it's tough though with hosts. The hosts are kind of like they're sort of a built-in plot device in order to help you make an argument, no matter which side of the fence you're standing on. You can use them to prove your point or to reinforce your my, point. My rebuttal on that is what you brought up. I think Charlotte, Charlotte Hale this season behaves very much like a human. We see her take in new information and change. Whereas Maeve and Dolores, I mean, even Maeve takes in new information that she gets in the final episode and changes. And that's fine in the sense that we see them take that new information and change, but we never get into the calculus of how and why Dolores arrives at this change of heart on humanity. Right. Which is probably the biggest sticking point for both of us for the whole season. That's, that's yeah. where I think that second viewing will come in handy because I'm guessing there's probably more clues that you can now look back at and see with more clarity. But I think the show is kind of putting forth the idea that she already did all that thinking yeah. Before we even started the season, like she showed up in episode one with her mind made up and her plan laid out. Maybe uh, not the exact plan, but she had a plan with probably contingencies throughout it. She said, here's point A, here's point B, and I'm going to get to point B through any one of these means Uh yeah, I think the the implication of the of the showrunners and and uh, some of the writers of the season is that Dolores has been pulling strings for longer in the season than you've realized, right? Especially trailing back to when she falls into Caleb's arms in the in the premiere of the season, and so right. it it feels like if her plan either either way, I think it's damned if they do, damned if they don't. Unless I go back and watch season two, and I'm like, man, I feel like this is a moment where where Dolores would have changed changed her mind uh joanna robinson brought up a great point on decoding westworld in that she feels as though dolores's interaction with teddy shown towards the end of season two when teddy decides to kill himself could very well have been the moment that catalyzes in her mind that she's going about things the wrong way mm -hmm. but i think that's a great bit of headcanon that isn't necessarily drawn upon this season uh, or even after he kills himself, other than her kind of cradling him and also taking him into um, the Valley Beyond at the end of the season. So, like, I, I think this is all great. And, and I think if that's the way that you want to view the show, I think that 
that is that is fine but i i have to say for me i i don't feel as though season three is the time to decide that consistency is the enemy of great you know right yeah i mean i get i i agree 100 percent with what he's saying in broad strokes like you don't yeah you don't want season two to be the exact same as season one. You don't want season three to be the exact same as season two and thereby the same as season one. And even though we both and, and Alex and I, uh, throughout this season have kind of been comparing to season one and saying, Oh, we liked this about season one. We, it's not to say at all by any means we want a carbon copy of a season we've already seen. That's, one of my other biggest criticisms about episode nine, if we're going to keep going back to that is we've seen that exact, pretty much that exact story, that exact conflict before. And that happens throughout both episodes seven and nine of star Wars, which is what makes them so infuriating. You're just like, okay, got it. Like been there. I know how this is going to wind up. Uh, but just, I think we, uh, like we said, going back to the steak thing, like I like what Westworld season three was about. I just, don't like it didn't feel like it was made the same way as season one was made so i didn't want it to retread the same ground as season one i just kind of wanted that same presentation so i agree 100 like percent season- with, with the comment on consistency I don't, I don't think consistent too much consistency is good but i think you do need a, a, a curve of it so to speak you've got to maintain some uh, similarity in, in the voice yeah, I mean, if season one was like a finally sous vide steak, and season three is like a uh, a microwaved steak, I'm just kidding. That's that's going too far. But anyway, I just want a uh, steak, man. <laughs> John, do you have any final thoughts on what Paul said? Uh, I, I mean, okay this idea don't. of consistency, I the consistency that I'm kind of seeing through all of this is that all the pieces are in front of us and it's a matter of like putting them together. And I think all of the pieces are in season three as well. And we just didn't see them and piece them together the way they were meant to be or something to that effect. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep very kinda, interested to find out if you're right about that's that. That's what I'm saying. I, like, I, I, I would agree might, with that actually. I, I think the second viewing is super important for the season. And, and again, like it, doing it, it where Alex is watching, you know, each episode two or three times or whatever. I don't mean like that. That's, yeah. that's analytical what you're doing at that point. Mm-hmm. Like where I think just being able to sit down and like watch it for what it is. And again, suspend a little bit of that disbelief and just let it happen and see how those pieces fall and put them together then, because it's, that's been the consistency through the entire series is that, everything's there we just haven't figured out how it all overlaps and lays down so that's entirely possible it'll be very interesting to go back and and check it out again so yeah there's also sort of a uh an issue with this season two by having a lot of human characters and having a sort of a human as your cipher because when you're in the dark and you're getting all these questions and all this crazy information thrown at you as the viewer, but you're watching the show sort of through the eyes of hosts. Uh, in a way, the stakes are different because Did you say steak. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I had to. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> but your ass, I did. Um, can we all go to Clawson Steakhouse when it reopens? And the, yeah, hell yeah, dude. Over? I love uh, their clam sure. chowder. <laughs> dude, everything there is so good. It is. Um, but anyway, 
Fuck, man. Total, totally derailed me. <laughs> Nick, sorry, man. I... No, no, it's okay. Uh, yeah, the stakes are different because you're you're watching, you're experiencing this story through these organisms, if you will, that are not us. So their their whole experience is different than ours. So you're really along for like the story and, and with these characters. But when you when you bring humans into the mix as like your a lot of your protagonists, especially like Caleb, essentially is what I'm saying. Uh, the stakes kind of change, and and the suspension of disbelief kind of changes too. The whole experience kind of changes because suddenly, ev- all these big things that are happening are happening to a human being, somebody who you are going to then be able to be like, well, maybe this is how I would react, or that's unrealistic. Nobody would behave that way, or you might think. Uh, why, why would you go along with Loris or why wouldn't you as a human? Like you're, you're, you're the, the way that you quantify and qualify all of the decisions and all of the actions and reactions taken throughout the show change when human beings are doing it, especially when a human being in the show is stripped of their agency, essentially, even though Dolores's thing seems to be like I'm empowering you and giving you agency, it to me it never feels that way throughout the season because if you tell a mouse like, "Yeah, man, you can choose your way through the maze," but you're like <laughs> you're hiding the cheese around every corner, you're you're guiding them. Like they're not choosing which path they want to take. They're just following your lead that you're setting up, especially when Dolores is setting up this thing of dominoes to get her to where she wants to go. Caleb really has no free will in the end. I feel like he's just being shaped by Dolores to be what she wants him to be just as much as he would be by Rehoboam or anything. And that is kind of a sticking point for me too, is that as the, as the human, I think on on an unconscious level, I'm sort of offended at the idea that these creations could rebel on the creator and influence the sort of innocent bystanders like Caleb in the process. The idea that, the can openers could come for us and they would not only seek revenge on their explicit creator, but also tear down the world around all the rest of us that are in it. I think as a human, like I said, it didn't occur to me until really, really late in the season that on an unconscious level, I was irritated that this was happening to other humans. Cause I was like, Oh, great. That'll be just what we need. Well, and what's really interesting now that I'm thinking about it is is the idea that um, Dolores... I mean, there's a lot of comparisons drawn between Dolores and Maeve this season in how Dolores is one to... instead Instead of calling forth allies who were other people, she made herself into other people as allies. Yeah. And it's a very different mode of operations for how to do things. But I'm also thinking there's a bigger comparison between Dolores and Serac in the idea that they are trying to affect a result uh, throughout this season and in their past. But Dolores ultimately comes to this realization that to get what what she wants, she needs to remove herself from the equation. Whereas Serac, I think, also acknowledges that that will be true at some point in the future, but it... it I, I think they're like I agree that the the Dolores taking Caleb's agency away feels wrong, but supposedly eventually we get to the point like honestly the transition here is she transitions Caleb from being under her control to being shepherded by Maeve potentially right 
So it's cool setup, but ultimately it makes for this very weird third season where yeah. the the ideas that she's putting like it always felt like Dolores was talking out of two sides of her mouth. And that was slightly for a different reason because we thought she still wanted to kill all of humanity. <laughs> but it also is out of like at the end result, if it is we want you to be able to have humans have free will again, but I'm removing your free will to make that happen feels very uh yeah what's the word the snake eating its own tail like very Ouroboros. yeah and uh, there's an actual word for it uh, uh like it's, it's it's an oxymoron it's not they're in incompatible ideals it feels like but uh all right let's move on to the next email this one's from kaya Kaya says to Alex and Nick about season three. Hey guys, thank you so much for coming back for season three. Always excited to see that there's a new episode. Some scenes with different characters have felt a little stagey and there's the sense that Lisa joy and Jonah Nolan have taken a step back where they used to do all of the writing on every episode, but that style of talking is probably the best evidence that they are still very involved. It's really weird when you go back to read the script of, uh, season 1, Episode 10, they submitted for awards consideration to see how scenes were originally conceived on the page. The man is straight off the road, uh, and the kind of space between the characters is existential. It doesn't surprise me that Dolores and Maeve should go through three seasons without ever really talking to each other. Charting your own course is hard enough when it's just you and your dad on a ranch, and you go into town to, town for supplies. It's a whole other thing by the time you have to factor in all these other people you're connected to, including children. See Dolores and Teddy and Maeve in season two. Maeve did a good job inspiring change in Lee Sizemore and connecting with Ghost Nation. Dolores found a true believer in Angela, who was there from the beginning and saw a world a lot like Delo- the world a lot like Dolores did. But she was up against a brick wall over and over when it came to Teddy. Those "I see you" moments between Maeve and Dolores when they talked, to- walked past each other at night or in the siege of the Mesa gave me chills because they did see each other, but they disagreed so deeply. Dolores knew that every host would be subject to a horrible fate unless something changed. Would the heroic thing have been for Maeve and Dolores and everyone who could escape to go find cover like Armand Delgado and help grow live-cultured synthetic meat somewhere in anonymity until they're eventually deactivated? Hosts have, have to be about the biggest outliers. It seems like a waste. I've been disappointed with Bernard every episode since 107. But I still hope every episode but I still hope every episode that he's going to start being more of his own person and do something interesting with all the abilities and experiences he's had. Little glimmers in three oh four and three oh eight seem to show that he's about to do finally do something in season four or season five. I always felt if it did happen, uh it was going to happen through coming to terms with the Arnold part of him. I hated seeing him treat Stubbs like a malfunctioning can opener. I guess it's an all-too-real illustration of how someone, Bernard, who hasn't come to terms with themselves or developed much of a rich inner life so far, can find it hard to trust or love other people. Curious to see what you guys are thinking after a few days off and look back on the season. I've never fully wanted to believe what a bunch of that a bunch of scenes were in a simulation, but I think that they were. If you look at mirrored scenes with Charlotte and Bernard, including alternate and altered shots, I think, and think about the Rehoboam graphic, I think Rehoboam, through real-life observation and modeling, was the narrator of the whole season, and I think Rehoboam was prepared to be deactivated. It may have started off on the fence, but after the insight leak, I think Rehoboam could see all over the world that there were a myriad of things it never dreamt of in its philosophy. Serac would never willingly end Rehoboam's mission more than Ingalls in 207 would willingly pull the pin on his own grenade and on his own belt 
But Angela and Rehoboam were fully committed to the mission. If some guy deceived himself along the way, still they never lied and they never wavered. Love you guys, K. That's Once lovely. again, another lovely email. Um, John, how are you feeling about scenes being in a simulation? Is there still some of that alive in your mind? Yes, to some extent, and the more I think about it, the more I like the idea along the lines of that may be the explainer behind why so many things are not seen in regards to what Dolores is saying, thinking, and doing, because she is uh, the disturbance, the outlier. She can't be seen by Rehoboam. So, like, this idea that, like, you know, we, we as viewers are seeing the simulation where like all of these events are unaccounted for that clearly took place and have affected the events around the world. So yeah, like I, the, that is a completely plausible in my opinion. I think seeing the season from Rehoboam's perspective is very interesting. It's, it's compelling in my opinion, but um, like a, like a, I don't want to say it feels like something that they didn't necessarily commit to, but it doesn't necessarily feel like they, uh, like it was fully thought through if that was what the case is. Nick, do you have any thoughts on the simulation theory still? I wish that it had been a, a, a thing that had come to light and come to pass in this, in this season. I mean, I, like I said in the discord, when we were kind of talking before recording this episode, I want to judge everything that was on the screen and not what might be in my own headcanon or have, uh, you know, uh, arised in any sort of Reddit or discord chat. But honestly, like that, once I started thinking about that theory and the potential evidence that was there, I was like, this is kick ass. And this feels like a logical progression for the show for me. Like, I feel like that would have been more interesting and more compelling and more fun to watch. My, my biggest worry about that when i was mostly thinking it was still possible was the idea that there was going to become some reckoning where they need to coincide the simulation world with the real world and we would either one get through season three and season four would be the start of what actually happens in the real world or two everything that we saw wasn't true and therefore somewhat became moot right and those two kind of live together in the same yeah ideal. i mean so- you you run you obviously open up a whole another can of worms when you start to introduce uh, a, a device like that for the show but i at, think at the it, same I, time I it feels they're up they'd be up to the task i mean it feels like the kind of conceit in season one of we're going to show you two different timelines and not tell you until the end like it it feels like if they were able to rectify it and figure it out, that would have been on that level. Yeah, but they're, and they're sp- probably splitting it between multiple seasons instead of just like within <laughs> one season. Well, that's it makes me that... it makes me think like based on the the groupings of characters. Like I'm assuming that Stubbs and Bernard are not in a simulation. Like we're seeing exactly what's happening to them specifically and the way those events are playing out. But anytime they're not part of the scene we're seeing a simulation and I wonder if there's other little visual tropes and, and, uh, and things that they're showing similar to how, like, you know, when Serac is being a projection, like, you know, when he's up in the plane and he's being projected, 
that he's glowing kind of orange and blue. Like he looks like the battlefield three cover, like basically, (laughs) um, like, you know, like that's a projection of Serac. Like, I wonder if there's other visual clues to that sort of idea of, of, of us looking at a simulation for, you know, any scenes involving Dolores and any scenes, obviously we know the ones where Maeve's in a simulation and you see the, the aspect ratio change and things like that. Like that's clear, but, when we're specifically looking through Rehoboam's perspective of simulation, what are we seeing? Yeah. And uh, um, some um, sort of visual identifier is all that it would have needed. Like uh, when, when well, we I'm had- still, I'm still kind of wondering if the, the location of the Rehoboam interface title cards that we see has any real merit to that indicating something. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, it certainly seemed like they used it as a "this is where we are right now." But do those do those also still mean what you see after this isn't necessarily real? It's in a simulation. But yeah, and that that may be the kind of thing that down the line or in the next season they say they reveal in an interview like, "Oh, any scene that had this in it." I mean, it'd be cool if they buried something in the background of a lot of scenes. Like even See, if it was like, I, I'd rather even if it was like not... the same extra or something that was walking through the shot, something that nobody picked up on. Or if it was just like one frame of Brad Pitt <laughs> <laughs> spliced in. Be so good. Yeah. One frame. But of I, I'd rather them not do it through it. Like some kind of, you know, post-production interview or anything like that. Like I, yeah. I want it to be season four starts and they're like, okay, like, here's what really played out, blah, 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 blah. And like, or they show a different perspective of the things that happened through something like maybe Bernard needs to catch up on like what the fuck just happened over the past 150 years that just passed. And so he has to like watch it play out on some, you know, by using uh Rehoboam surveillance system throughout the entire world to visualize like what happened while he was in, you know, wherever the hell he went. <laughs> Anything is possible, at this but I would point, I'd right? like it to but be presented within the show and not some like external agreed. source. Yeah. Uh, we got another email. Any other thoughts, Nick? Probably, but it's no. Okay. <laughs> These emails are all really good. They're full of so much stuff that everyone should just join the Discord so we can oh, chunk sure. it up into smaller pieces and really get into it. Just remember Absolutely. that everything you see and everything you hear isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't tell, uh, it doesn't matter. Right. True. There you go. Uh, Erica wrote in with the subject line, Billy, hey, I've been writing you guys at edharris69 at gmail.com, but I keep getting an error delivery failed message. I guess systems are still fucked after everything at Delos and Insight. <laughs> you know what? Some dudes never get the message. How many times a fool got to say the maze weren't meant for you, Will I Am? <laughs> <laughs> Neither is season three until the post credit scene. Sad, you know, he could have had at least another year of psychosis if he got to read his insight profile. Oh, well, see you later, brother. Rest in power, Erica. That's awesome. Very good. Just going to have to create that email address I want that now. email address, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, Ed John, Harris probably already has it. <laughs> John, are you excited for William to finally have bionic arms? Yeah, fuck yeah. 100%, man. <laughs> well, what, what's cool about, so that end of the credit scene or whatever, what's cool about that is thinking back to the end oh God, credit scene from, from season two, Yeah, where 
it, so that's so far in the future, and I, I'd venture to guess that that's the same uh, host future man in that. black that we see at mm-hmm. the end of season three here, and he's gone that far down the hole that he's like, what the fuck am I? And, like, starts questioning his own reality. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, I don't know. With his, with I, his sweet bionic arms. It, it, I just have it these remains sexy to be bionic seen. arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it remains to be seen if Charlotte Dolores figured out the secret to making the human host hybrid or not. And, uh, and whether or not that is actually William in a host body or if it is just a... Uh, uh, it, like the the text of that scene makes it seem as though it's William built from his experiences in the park and therefore not, uh, not a full full bodied William. But we who knows if anything's up for for grabs at this point, right? right. So, thank you very much, uh, Eric. Yeah, that's a good one. Dimitri wrote in question about the season. Hey, now that the season score is out on Spotify and we've had a little time to breathe and start rewatching a little, I was wondering if any of the original score cover songs or outside music stood out to you guys as a high point in the season. Was there a different song you wish they could have included somewhere? What was the most epic moment of the season other than the Dolores reveal? Cheers. P.S. Did you guys hear anything interesting from Joanna Robinson during the season or did you get a chance to talk to her at any point about it? Cheers. Uh, Sadly, Joanna Robinson does follow me on Twitter, and she likes a lot of tweets that I tweet at her sometimes, but uh, I haven't spoken to her since I recorded an episode of The Ones Who Knock with her and David Chen back in the day. Um, but she's awesome, and I think she does a great job. So, um, not, not to mention that, I mean, I feel like I mention her every episode anyway. So, it's <laughs> Westworld FM is very much a product of some of Joanna Robinson's thoughts. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, I mentioned last episode, I think, that there were some pieces of music that I missed, and I did pull up a clip that I'm going to play for people right now. This is the the theme that I was thinking about that I, I don't think is present anywhere in Season 3, and that makes me very sad. This particular theme to me that kind of seeps through so much of Season 1, and I think some of Season 2... I feel like it's very sad that it didn't make its way out of the park. And if I'm wrong, please let me know because I want to know where they put it here in season three. But I don't think you are. Some of the, it's so fucking beautiful and haunting and enigmatic, and it's probably my favorite piece of Ramin Javadi music that he's ever composed. It's just fantastic. Yeah, it's it's the kind of great music that can kind of creep into a scene, and you don't really realize it for a second until it's. It's there. Yeah. I absolutely. I associate it a lot with Ford and Yeah. With the park. So It's the track titled This World. I don't know if that theme appears in other tracks on the season one soundtrack. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean that it, it may well be specific may. to the park specifically because of its name. This world. That one. Entirely you know? the the world. Yeah, this yeah, world. That's entirely true. If it's missing in season three, it'll be so worth it when in season four they inevitably go back to the park and the music creeps in and Alex just starts openly weeping. That'll be so <laughs> My nipples good. get harder and harder. It'll and be in episode crying. one. We'll have to live stream that. <laughs> and now, yeah, when that theme just kind of comes in, oh, that'll be great. Uh, any So back to Dimitri's actual question. Did any of the music stand out to you guys? 
Not really. I remember the music in genre kind of popping because it had to. And half the time I liked it and half the time I thought it was hokey. Yeah, that that was the I think that's maybe one of the few that's the only episode of Westworld that has like a lot of source music. Yeah, and it, I don't really like it. I get that it's a function of the episode, but at the same time it doesn't mean that I enjoyed it. Uh, I always kind of like some of the covers like that they do. Uh but there was nothing in this season that stood out to me the way that like Paint It Black did, for example. Yeah. I, I agree. Like when I went back to look at this track listing, I saw Space Oddity and I was like, I didn't even necessarily think about yeah. that. As, yeah, that was okay. It like it was okay, but it, it didn't it didn't make any marks in my mind. John, did you have any any favorites? I'll be completely honest with you, like I feel like that's one of the things that I didn't really pay that much attention to this season. Uh normally I'm pretty on that kind of stuff, but I feel like a lot of it this time around I I just felt very detached from it i suppose yeah it just wasn't as good and the the idea of all these music all these songs that we know and love being covered by like the player piano and stuff like that that was all motivated in those seasons like it made sense right but outside of the park it makes sense why there wouldn't be as much of that so when the actual like when eclipse kicked in and stuff at the in the finale i was like this is weird so this is south yeah. southland tales it, yeah it, well and i mean <laughs> For instance, which, uh, oh, it was the Guns N' Roses cover was in, like, the main trailer or whatever. Trailer, like, I yeah. fucking hate Guns N' Roses. <laughs> like, <me> too. <laughs> so I don't, I don't care. You know what I mean? And, like, uh, what was it? Wicked Games or whatever from The weekend was in the, the weekend, episode yeah. at the, at the prostitution party or whatever the hell. And, like, I love The weekend. I don't care for any of his newer music. Like, mm. I, I specifically only like certain songs from him i suppose so i can't really say i love the weekend but i I love what he does most of the time but right. that there was a um, I, just, I felt very detached from the music this season is the best way to put it i think there was a brief moment of source music as well in the in episode three which is the charlotte hale episode i think the first one of the season um that is by a band. I think the song is called "Doomed," and it was by a band who's friends with Tessa Thompson, and they ended up using that music. And Ramin Javadi did a cover of it that they used too, and it was a cool song, but it didn't necessarily like make me go out. So I, I'm sorry, Dimitri, that we weren't necessarily impressed with any of the music this season. It sounded like he um, wasn't necessarily either. Yeah, he said, I was wondering if any of the original score cover songs or outside music stood out to you guys as a high point in the season. I Like, not necessarily. The the one, like, the use of the Shining theme and genre at the end, I think is cool, but I didn't have, I don't have that much reverence for the Shining, and I don't necessarily know that it came to a head the way that I would have expected it to. Like, I know Joanna Robinson, once again, um was theorizing that the genre, like the five genres that he's supposed to kick through or whatever, like the final genre is actually brought on by the shining theme. And it's meant to be like a horror of him killing Liam or whatever actually happened there. But it didn't, it didn't necessarily coalesce for me. So I honestly, that's one of the other things that I'm really sad about is that there weren't these masterful music, like even the heart shaped box sequence of mm-hmm. Maeve walking through the Mesa in season two. Incredible. Like, there's so many things from previous seasons that I can think about where the music and the show came together to, you know, 
make me cry and uh and that didn't happen this season <laughs> yeah and you know uh, it's hard man like it for sure this this shit is hard like yeah making a good episode of anything is hard and especially when you have so many different voices going on and you have people that are show running people that are writing people that are directing people that are shooting people that are editing there's so it's so collaborative, right? It's such a collaborative art form, and when it's TV, that's that's it, a billion fold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you can't not the same core group of people can all be working at the same time because inevitably episodes have to overlap and in shooting and in post production. That was something we saw a lot with Preacher, and yeah. uh, you know, I was I was thinking I don't remember what show I was listening to that that really got me down this train of thought the other day. But I was driving and I was listening to some show where somebody was criticizing a movie or something, and I just kind of was like, you know, man, like that's the thing. Even if it doesn't work for you, that's cool. If you don't like it, that's cool. Like a lot of things don't work for me, and I don't like them. But there's so many more things that do, and I think part of it is just the recognition that this this shit is hard. Like. For this sure. is a really hard thing to do. And when you're, when you have like a, a hit, when you make season one of Westworld and suddenly you're like the talk of the internet and you have HBO has another potential, you know, not maybe not Game of Thrones, but another potential huge uh, series for them. The pressure's on, man. Like yeah. for Nolan and Joy, the pressure is on in a way that it never has been before. You can take, 10 years to write season one of Westworld because there's no, there's no schedule for delivery yet. Like you're selling HBO on this thing that you've probably, or maybe not probably, but potentially been working on for five, six, seven and more years. Like a lot of these artists, they work on this shit for decades before it actually gets made. And sometimes it sucks. And sometimes it's really good because you've spent so long with it and you've, you've worked so hard on it. And so after you've had this hit and suddenly expectations are set and suddenly schedules are written and deliverables have to happen and it's it's, shit's hard. And and that's the thing, even though I didn't really love this season, I still liked it and I would never hold it against them necessarily. I think some things they did really well and some things they did kind of a bad job. But at the end of the day, you know, you made you made what you made and you made something and that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I will not say that sure. about episode nine. That's where these differ. <laughs> that needed to go back to page one and try again. <laughs> because that's Star Wars, man. Like you have infinite wealth at your disposal and you have infinite time. Make and, it right. And you have a canon that's already kind of been spelled out for you. <laughs> yeah. This isn't going to turn into a Star Wars podcast, but uh, <laughs> because that's the other thing too, I was thinking about. As exhausting as it is to listen to a show where people are kind of down on what they're talking about, there's nothing more exhausting than listening to people talk about Star Wars. So, <laughs> and I say that as, as a near lifelong Star Wars fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will say I was literally dying to talk my frustrations out with anybody after seeing that movie. Yeah. And I just felt like nobody wanted to do it. So I didn't even try to put the feelers out there to get anybody together for it. And I was like, quick aside, probably uh, the right choice. (laughs) So I, my wife and I, our first night out after our baby was born was to go see episode nine. And Mm -hmm. we were so busy uh, that I didn't have, I didn't really talk to anybody about it. We've in our group text, we've been kind of texting and like, it'll come up every few weeks or something. Someone makes a joke, usually Gojo. And then, 
we just rewatched it when it hit Disney Plus, and that kind of reignited the the conversation. And a few days later, I was driving home, uh, and I had about a half hour, thirty five minute drive ahead of me. So I called Gojo, and he was like, "Hey, what's up?" And I'm like, "Hey." So we never really talked through talked it out. episode nine, and he was like, "Yeah." is that something you want to do? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, I feel like the window's kind of gone. And I was like, yeah, you're right. But we ended up talking about it for like 15 or 20 minutes. And that was fine to have a conversation about it. But I wanted to hear more about it. So I downloaded a random episode of another film podcast where they talked about episode nine. And within five minutes, I turned it off because they started comparing it to Endgame. And I was like, these are the two things I don't want to hear another word about are Avengers Endgame and Star Wars Episode Nine, And yet I'm seeking them out like some sort of masochist. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so TLDR, good job on making Westworld still good. And I know that that momentum is hard to maintain and that pressure is easy for people to crack under. So I do think that they probably should have spent a little more time on it but you know they did they do get to spend more time on this show than a lot of other shows get so you know that's a lot to ask yeah yeah um all right next email oh wait uh, no in dimitri's email there was a question of uh standout moments or like uh what do you say besides the dolores reveal he said uh he asked what was the most epic moment of the season other than the dolores reveal i have one what (laughs) it's at the uh at the auction when Stubbs and Bernard just show up out of nowhere and they're just oh, yeah. right there. That was the shit. <laughs> like I like stood up on the couch and I was like, so into it that that ruled. That was so awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Be- John, do you have anything that you like any moment that stands out to you in particular? Um, I just like, not not so much like any particular moment but more or less like ideas of you know the the bigger picture i think was the term that nick had used earlier in this uh podcast here is like these these ideas of the bigger picture and how like i i would try, i related a lot of what was happening in this show to like what's going on right now <laughs> in yeah, the world it, and yeah. and that to me was just kind of alarming, especially because like this was filmed what like over the past what two years or whatever, right? It was it was probably filmed in twenty nineteen, and there were several scenes Virginia, with people wearing masks just out on the streets, and that's our life now. Like that's weird yeah. to me, and the idea of surveillance in general, and like what it's doing to us or what it can do to us down the line, like those those sorts of themes and things are the stuff that keeps me up at night. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of the backdrop and the texture of this show that uh, is really cool and fun to to think about after the show's over, but yeah, also yeah, scary, for sure. like you said. Um, all right, we'll move on to Sidza's email. Sidza wrote in and uh, said, With all the furry of the season washing over us, the garish things we can lose sight of the beauty, all that natural splendor, our hosts... With that in mind, I was hoping you could ask a few questions. These ones are for Nick and John. I'll, ha- I'll have you answer sure, them sure. too. Uh, Nick, do you like speed and do you like driving? Do you like speed? Yes. Yeah. Not the drug, but like <laughs> the Keanu Reeves oh, movie. Well, then no. <laughs> not not even the Keanu Reeves movie. It's speed as in, do you like going fast? I think is the question. Yeah. Who doesn't? I mean, I guess a lot of yeah. people don't, but. And I think you do. Li- you do like driving. I do. Right? Yeah, I've always enjoyed driving. I think it 
is sort of an unfair question to ask somebody who's in Michigan because we have <laughs> to drive because our entire like uh, city and suburbs are based around the idea that you own a car. I shouldn't say it's an unfair question to ask. It's it's sort of skewed inherently because I think well, and I think it could go either way because I quite honestly usually when I go to like California or New York and I experience mass transit, I'm like I kind of wish I had this. Oh, uh, everyone here does. I'm not saying that we don't wish we had it, but there is something about the freedom of getting behind the wheel of your own car and uh, driving that. I love, absolutely love. I don't like driving Get it, pulling, obscenely pulling long on, distances. Pulling onto the freeway at three in the morning with the sun of Flynn blaring out of your windows in the middle of summer. Yes, it's very, it's, it's nice. Yeah, it's awesome. John, do you like speed and do you like driving? Yes, to both. That's I good. Do. Uh, Nick, what makes you angry in a professional context? <laughs> <laughs> when people argue with me on Discord and I don't have a chance to... to <laughs> to refute it no uh i hmm it's a good question i feel like you you i mean anybody would dislike this but i feel like in a professional context you dislike when people don't own up to their mistakes i yeah i don't think anybody likes that i don't think that's i think i i really don't like poor communication i mm-hmm. i i I'll go one step further. I don't like inefficient communication. I don't like when people take forever to ask what they need or take forever to get their point across in a professional setting. Like if we're just having conversations or hanging out, there's time for conversation to be more lax. But uh, in like when it takes 12 emails to get an answer, you're like, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm kind of like the, just tell me what you want. (laughs) There's a moment in the office when, um, I've always thought this was funny because I kind of like get it. I care. I don't remember who it is, but one of the characters comes up to Dwight. They're like, "Hey, Dwight, how's it going?" And he's like, "You don't have to ask me how it's going every time you need something. Just tell me what you need." And I'm like, "I'm <laughs> I'm with that 100. percent Like, <laughs> you don't need. I mean, like, it's nice that we can. All, but I get it. There, you know, suddenly if you didn't have that courtesy, you'd be you'd be missing it and be like, "Man, why is everybody just so demanding?" So it's you know, it's a it's a human thing, yeah. I guess. But. Um, I've always kind of laughed and been like, I kind of relate to that a little bit. Like, I I would I like pre- a precise, succinct, clear communication. Very fair, John. What makes you angry in a professional context? Uh, in my personal professional context, I hate when people step around my authority. Mm-hmm. That drives me absolutely insane. I, I'm put in people. I'm put in my position because I know what I'm talking about and what I'm doing and. If you don't respect what I have to say and you have to go around me to get the answer you want, that like you just disrespect me 100% and I will never treat you the same way. That's very fair. Very fair. Uh, final question for Nick and John. If you had to live without electricity by an old California gas station, how would that affect your daily activities? <clears throat> I feel like I need more context to that. Yeah, it's a very, it's an interesting question. Well, these question, are all interesting questions. I don't know where they're coming from. There must, if there's some reference that is f- totally flying over my head. I think Sidsa just wants to know more about us. Because it's <laughs> These not are very like specific. We, it's not like we go off on tangents all the time in our <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they're like references to uh, fidelity questions or something that hosts were asked in season one. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're, get, we're getting the Voight comp test over, yeah, uh, seriously. over email. If I had to live without electricity by an old California gas station, how would that affect your daily activities? Hmm. 
this sounds like a mad, like a Mad Max world. Um, you know, I mean, inevitably these days, a lot of our activities revolve around the internet and electricity. So it would obviously put a hamper on that, but I have enough hobbies that I enjoy, um, that don't require those things. Actually during the quarantine, this whole quarantine experience, I've been delving a lot more into a lot of those hobbies. Like I've started playing my guitar a lot more, uh, again, which is great. And, uh, reading a lot more and that kind of thing. So there's still plenty to, to do. Keep me busy. If I was living in this vague post-apocalyptic sounding scenario. <laughs> John, what about you? I'd probably lose my mind. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, it, I it would, would be it would be a toss-up. Like I, At first, I'd be like, this is fine. I'll figure this out. Because it's my general attitude for any like situation I put in is like, I'll figure this out. And I usually do. Uh, chances are I would, uh, if I'm in some weird California desert wasteland next to a gas station, I'm assuming I would probably do that thing. I, I'd go, I'd take all that knowledge that I, that I've built up from watching that dude on YouTube, like make things in the woods. And I would make myself <laughs> like a cabin in the woods, like out of mud and sticks, like for fun, just to time myself over it. But when that's done, I don't, I would lose it after that, I think. <laughs> I think it's lifestyle fair. wise, we could all agree that it would be miserable. But as far as like activities going, I don't see it being quite as big of a deal. The, honestly, the biggest thing I would miss is watching movies and listening to music, yeah. I guess. But um, yeah, I would miss podcasts. Very is much. it possible <laughs> in this scenario to generate electricity? Can we now nah, we're getting into a whole nother thing here. <laughs> yeah, That's a whole nother world. All right, there's three questions for me. Uh, what was the coolest vacation trip or vacation that you got to do, and where do you want to go? Uh, I've been to Japan several times, uh, one of which was a, a vacation, and that was probably one of my absolute favorites. Uh, my my uh, Also, my honeymoon to Jamaica was also an incredible vacation uh, and relaxing in, in the most awesome ways, so I would love to do that again. Um, I still want to go to London, uh, or, or to England and over to Europe in some respects. We were planning on doing that this August, but unfortunately, uh, world events decided to conspire against us. So hopefully we'll do that at some point in the future. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm down to go anywhere. I think it would be great. John, what's your coolest trip or vacation? Where do you want to go? I mean, I've been a lot of really cool places, but I think Italy is my favorite, um, specifically we spent time in the vatican which i as an artist uh grew up looking at all of that imagery in books and finally got a chance to see it in person and it's mind-blowing michelangelo is a huge influence on me um but other than that in terms of places i want to go i really want to go to japan and after watching westworld season three i want to go to singapore like tomorrow oh yeah so yeah because that like the imagery of that city is just that's that's what we don't realize like a lot it's of those, future. <laughs> a lot of that setting that we saw was like practical real yeah. buildings and shit in Singapore that like that that is the city of the future right now so yeah it, it looks like the future over I want to go there and I want Asian a giant countries. mech robot to like program to like you know <laughs> to ruin the episode that you're in beat up beat up my enemies <laughs> I don't, John I don't when know. you were in Italy did you guys go to Venice uh, we did not go to Venice. We we went to we were in the Vatican first, 
and then we went to Sorrento and I got to go to Pompeii, which was really cool. And then we went and did like the Amalfi coast, uh, like Positano area. And that's where we took a bunch of like wedding photos. Like we, Megan hired a, a photographer to take wedding photos for us in Italy. Yeah. Those are incredible. Yeah, it, it's, and that's, you haven't even, you only saw like the little demo ones. Like we have, the guy took like 800 photos. <laughs> like that's sweet. It's unbelievable. We got a whole thumb drive of them. They're incredible. So, but yeah, I, Italy's amazing. I think I ate gelato every single day we were there. Oh, dude, yeah. And I I probably, I mean, gelato, pasta, and pizza every day. I, I don't know how much weight yeah. I put on, but it was, it was and a it's, lot. Oh, it's like insanely <laughs> affordable, too. Oh, hell yeah. It was amazing. I had a great time. Highly recommend. Awesome. Uh, next question is, do you act first, think later, or vice versa? I would say vice versa. And more likely, it's uh, think first and then don't act at all in a lot of ways. <laughs> so that's where I would put myself. John, what do you think about that? D- uh, it depends on the situation. I think uh, a lot of times, professionally, I tend to think first and act upon my thoughts. Uh, personally, I tend to act first and think later that I made a mistake. Uh, and a lot of that is like, I'll be on Facebook writing out these elaborate comments to my father, our father, about <laughs> politics. And I type out paragraphs upon paragraphs of things, and then I just delete them all. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, I've done the same so. thing, actually. Uh, and then what song do you play to get amped up? Um, that could be any number of things, I would probably say. Uh, uh, Son of Flynn at 3 a.m. on the freeway. Well, that, I was going to say that, but also uh, this game, the, the game has changed from the Tron Legacy soundtrack is probably my actual amp up song. Yeah. So Raspberry Beret. John, what's your, yeah, Raspberry, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I could do that. John, what's your, <laughs> I will your, tell you Alex's your... list of songs that get. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, what about my you? My amped up song. That's a tough question because I listen to a ridiculous amount of music, but I could probably tell you. Uh, the number one song, uh, actually I have, so there are the top three songs on my Google play account that I've played the most are the song for Shelly by the band, a lot like birds, the sound of us by a lot like birds and Alexander Hamilton by, from the Hamilton soundtrack are my top three songs. That's pretty good. Um, if nobody has heard the, a lot like birds album Divizi, it was my album of the year for 2017. I think it's one of the most amazing cohesive works of musical uh talent the the musicians are just unbelievably awesome Uh, i think it's a great album if you like that kind of music it's not for everyone um but i happen to thoroughly enjoy that style of music because it's very nostalgic for me having been in bands of that nature um but yeah, th- those are my top three. I think Ham- I was going to say, like, before I looked at this list of songs that I've played the most, that Hamilton's, like, for some reason, like, that's my new song to get amped on. Whenever that starts up, I just, you hear that intro, like, dun, 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 dun. I just, dun, I'm like, dun. yeah, I'm going to sing along to this shit. And then I have, like, a really good time. I'm going to have to cut myself out of that because I'm sure when I sync everything back up, it's going to be so far off. It'll sound like a really sweet delay. Yeah. Since this says love you guys. Thanks for the great season. You are welcome. We love you. too. Yeah, man. Thanks for joining us on discord, dude. Like those paragraphs that you dropped, like, man, like that's some, I don't feel smart enough to ever talk about this show with people. 
I feel so dumb hey, a I lot mean, of the time. <laughs> it's the show grapples with a lot of fantastic and awesome yep. stuff, and and so you know any conversation about it, I think, can be endlessly entertaining. So, uh, we got a few more emails here. Uh, let's go with Scott Chandler real quick. He says, "Hi, Alex and Nick. I really enjoyed Gone to Texas and Westworld. FM has been great. Also, thanks for all of that. You're quite welcome." Uh, I was recently re- listening to your past pawn episode and you both said you had never seen person of interest and I couldn't believe it. Person of interest <laughs> is the best TV show in the history of television. I don't say that lightly. It was created by Jonathan Nolan and JJ Abrams. It evolved from a CV- CBS procedural and cl- clandestinely became a science fiction masterpiece. Dueling artificial intelligence is one raised right and one out of control. It does artificial intelligence way better than Westworld does. And I enjoy Westworld. Whoa. In fact, there are a lot of similarities to Rehoboam. The person of interest interest cast is awesome and the writing is fantastic. Whether you do a podcast about the show, quote, I would find the money to join your Patreon list if you do (laughs) to say thanks, or not, please go and watch this fantastic show. I really hope you'll give it a try. Let me know what you think. Thanks, Scott. It does have a uh, a really good cast, and uh, the main composer is Ramin Jawadi. (laughs) That's awesome. I, yeah, I've always wanted to watch the show. It's just really hard for me to be like, I'm going to watch an hour-long, 22-episode-per-season show from CBS that ran five yeah, or six Yeah, it's got seasons. 103 episodes. Ooh. We could do a whole new show, oh. man. We could. We could. Ooh. I don't know what the Person of Interest rewatch podcast is. Uh, these are, these are the sounds 30-somethings make when presented with the option of <laughs> doing something really fun about a show they would totally love. <laughs> versus mid 20s things would be like yeah man i would like oh, we got all the time in the world <laughs> yeah. um that sounds great i'm a i really like jim caviezel i always have um and uh the show has has been has caught my eye many times over all the years that it's been on so uh you know yeah man it we'll might have happen to, we'll have it to might consider happen. it yeah uh, let's move on to Mark, our friend Mark, who's followed us through several podcasts. Hey, Mark. Uh, Mark says, hey, hi, Alex and Nick. I was more positive about the season than either of you two seem to have been, but then I'm generally more forgiving about shows than a lot of commenters I come across on social media and the web are. If I like the characters and I find the overall subject matter of the show interesting, both of which are true for Westworld, I tend to let plot holes in some sloppy writing pass to a point. And it's the subject matter that keeps me into this show. I've always been interested from in the concept of AI and what happens when it achieves self-awareness, so the show is perfect for me. It brings up good, uh, big ideas, although it may not have executed storylines perfectly about those ideas this season. The fact that they address them all works for me. There's a BBC movie review podcast that I listen to where one of the hosts often says that if a movie aims too high and doesn't always succeed, it's better than if they hadn't tried at all. I think that applies to Westworld as well. I will admit that I was pretty annoyed that they didn't bother to try and explain how Hilloris stopped Dolores dead in her tracks in the finale. Magnets. That was very sloppy IMO. Count me as one of those who is happy that they largely avoided getting into a big puzzle box this season. It was great in season one, but with season two started to get to be too much for me. Nolan and Joy said that they, were, that they were going to keep the story relatively straightforward, and they did that, more or less. Moving out into the world outside the park was the right way to go, IMO, and I'm glad that they did that. I'm looking forward to where the show goes in Season 4. 
As an, as an aside, I have to tell you, I was thrilled to finally get one of your video game re references in your uh, season finale recap. I'm not a gamer, so when you drop those references, they go right over my head, but I do have some experience with Uncharted. We got a hand-me-down <laughs> PS3 for our special needs son a year and a half ago, and I picked up Uncharted in a resale shop. I haven't gotten very far into it, but I'm enjoying it. A couple months ago, I heard they're going to make a movie based upon the game with Tom Holland, possibly being the lead. I will be looking forward to see what happens with that. Thanks for another great season. Mark, thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, it's always great to hear from you. Yeah, I yeah I it, it, I uh, on the topic of Dolores being stopped in her tracks, I have heard it explained from Joanna Robinson that uh, <laughs> it is possible that Hale is the one that is responsible for getting the body of Dolores in that location that Caleb heads to at some point earlier in the season. And she thinks that it's possible that Charlotte could have built in some type of backdoor to be able to disable her that way. But to that, I say that sucks and was never explicitly explained to us. And therefore, <laughs> I think it's a shitty uh, explanation for what happened there. I mean, I would assume but, that because Hale's a copy of Dolores Prime, that she would have some knowledge of the back door ahead of time or have been able to find it just by going through her own mind trying to like differentiate or like separate her the the charloris uh consciousness from charlotte hale into like you know what i mean like being able to dissect and divide those entities apart i would think that maybe yeah. she could figure out a way to to find the back door quote unquote i think that's implied maybe. not yeah, explained it's possible you know, we can yeah. however you want to look at it i would call it outside of the text but if there's something that they did want in the text which also there was a moment as well where people were wondering when um dolores would have received the information that when she was uploaded into rehoboam would have changed the permissions for rehoboam or how Solomon's plan still got into Rehoboam despite the key fob being destroyed. And there's mention on the subreddit of a moment in episode 7 at the end, right before the EMP gets activated, where Dolores looks at Rehoboam and is like blinking like she's receiving information. And it is mind-blowing if that is the intent, was that everything got into her. She got a copy of Caleb's USB key because she looked at Solomon airdrop it's weird it's almost like they forget like i tweeted at joanna robinson i was like it's almost like they forgot to put the iris effect the glowing iris effect on her as it's happening because if maybe they did that i would buy it a little bit more but it's very oh weird. that explains so. that tweet okay i saw you say that yeah. and i didn't understand the context but that makes so much more sense now yeah um mark had the comments about them avoiding the puzzle box I I don't disagree. It's not something that I like greatly miss. I think Westworld could be great without the puzzle box. But um I also feel like they tried to still attempt the worst aspects of the puzzle box by hiding the big twist of Dolores mm -hmm. and her changing her mind this season. And that's kind of the one thing that stuck behind and maybe felt some of the most Westworldy to some people that just didn't quite work for me. But we've kind of beaten, I've beaten that I, drum. I a just, bit. I don't, I don't, 
by her changing her mind is the big twist because I I don't really ever I feel like she was kind of like trying to just free the humans from the beginning. Well, she was, and that's but that's the, the thing is I felt that way from the first episode, like for like second episode or whatever. Like whenever they start delving more into Caleb, I guess it was when. Like, to me, all of that felt pretty on the nose that that's what her intent was. Like, I didn't feel like that was saved for the end, so to speak. But I think even, like, Bernard's commentary on the side, despite him being wrong, him trying to anticipate her plan and also thinking that she's still trying to destroy humanity through Caleb because it's a part of her poetic programming. It's very much what they wanted you to be thinking about. So, I I don't know. Like, I... I I get like I wanted to believe that Dolores changed to the good side, but I don't like change to the good side. Like wanted to let humans exist, but I it's just it wasn't. Um, I just never felt that she wasn't on the good side. Is the what I'm getting at? Like to me, I felt she wasn't on the good side for two entire seasons, <laughs> twenty episodes worth of the show, but. Or I guess, I don't know, all of season two, at least, those ten episodes where she's killing most of the, like, she's she's hanging humans in the off of a tree and, like, killing all the humans she can find. But, I, you know, I think it's a little bit of a moot point at this point. Like, it, this, we know this is my biggest hang up with the season, so it's not like I need to keep banging the drum, but. Yeah. Uh, we did have one last email from Adam Ryder, uh, about Christopher Hitchens weighing in on the Ford forge in the Valley. I think it's very good. I'm sorry. It's quite long and we've been going quite long. I did want to ask you guys kind of one final question in what you hope season four of Westworld might bring. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts on what season four could be? Wow. Um, or what you want it to be? What do you want to see out of season four? You know, for some reason, I want to see them back in the park, but I don't think there's anything left for them there. Now that we've spent this whole season uh, in the outside world and the things that have happened have happened, for better or for worse, I I really don't see much of a point in going back. At least as of right now, they could certainly write a point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I'm I'm really kind of intrigued by the idea of a massive leap in time going forward, mm-hmm. like beyond Caleb's lifespan, maybe, and some of the other people and seeing maybe not even the beginning of this, this was sort of the beginning of the revolution, so to speak, but maybe seeing where the world is in, you know, another century with Bernard and, and all the hosts with Maeve, etc. that could be really, really cool. And I think could also, that would definitely play pretty hard on, on my nostalgia bone. Uh, <laughs> a lot like uh, Fallout, uh, or I'm sorry, not Fallout, Far Cry New Dawn. Same kind of thing, retreading, yeah. retreading yep. the ground we've been on. But actually, screw that. If it does go forward like a century or something, I do want to go back to the park because I want to see the park all decrepit and shit like uh, the original Jurassic Park was in Jurassic World, which was the only good part of the movie. Mm. That that was really awesome, and that kind of that would totally get me. Uh, but I, I honestly, I just I want more Bernard again. Uh, Bernard's the shit, and I want more Stubbs. I'm okay too if it's dumb Stubbs like we had in this season because dumb Stubbs is pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, I want I want more of those guys because they're they're good characters, and I want more Maeve. I want Maeve kind of being Maeve again because Maeve is also the shit. So yeah, you know, I just kind of want to get back to the characters and uh, have the show be a little bit more cerebral again. I I I, mm-hmm. I miss the puzzle box, man. I like if the show is kind of built on and thrives on a puzzle box. To me, that's a win as long as the puzzle box is good and it doesn't turn yeah. into Lost where it's just puzzles for puzzles sake and doesn't serve the story or end up working out in any meaningful way. But if they can construct some really cool, interesting, rewarding puzzle boxes again, I would be 100% in for that. Yeah, that's fair. John, um, your thoughts and hopes for season I, four? I think, I think it is going to be a, a drastic leap in time moving to to wherever Bernard ended up at the end of this season. Um, I think there will be, and I would like to see some, some of that timeline mix up nonsense from the first season in regards to, I think we're going to get scenes of Maeve and Caleb and basically all of the events that transpire between the end of season three and the beginning of season four uh, being so far in the future. We'll see all of that play out somehow in, in, in like a twisted timeline of sorts. Um, I think I think that would be awesome. I'd love to see that play out that way. Uh I I I really want to see Bernard like look over at the tub and see like the exoskeleton of Stubbs in the tub. Stubbs in the tubs. Uh <laughs> just all like it's just the skeleton. I think that would be awesome and then he brings him back somehow. I'm down with that, you know? Uh That'd be interesting. See how the host's body de- decomposes. Yeah, like I just, I think that would be sweet. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I, I, I think, I think we're gonna get back to some of that twisted timeline stuff, however you want to call it, like from from the first season. Thought. I think they're gonna come back to that where it's multiple two, two to three different timelines with some simulation mixed in there. Uh, simulation mainly being like, um, maybe that's how. Uh, Bernard is able to like he maybe he's able to like re- view everything by standing in a simulation of all the events that took place or something and see it from like that perspective as opposed to just like being told it somehow like I would like it to be presented that way I guess yeah I feel like there's some opportunity here for them to now now that now that both of you have mentioned it the idea that if they are that far into the future there's still some potential for like Bernard trying to piece together what happened in the past while he, you know, brings whatever knowledge with him from the Valley Beyond to figure out where to go with the hosts or what the new world needs to look like for the hosts. I feel like there's some worlds that we will get to, like, I think the glimpse of what Bernard gets of the world that's in the headset of the Valley Beyond or the Sublime, whatever everybody wants to call it nowadays, I think there's room for us finding out that even hosts living in a quote-unquote utopia is a little more broken than we maybe expected it to be. Um, Just kind of like things aren't as sunny and rosy as we would have hoped, and maybe hosts are flawed in a way that humans are that nobody expected in the first place. Um, And... I am excited to at some point see Ed Harris get to be the man in black like he once mm-hmm. was and get to uh get to uh kind of embody what the man in black was from the original movie because I think that's awesome and super compelling. Um 
maybe not compelling, but just being that force of evil, I think will be very interesting and fun. Um, so if we get to see that, I would assume we will in some capacity. Um, his bionic arms. But, Hell yeah. Yes, and his bionic arms. Yes. Um, old Bill, obviously. But, we got to get back to Old yeah, Bill. Yeah, we need Old Bill back. Like we said, he was protected in those little cubbies in cold yeah, storage, so he fine. definitely didn't get flamed. But um, yeah, I would love to go back to the park, but I don't know if that's like next season or if that's like the final season of mm-hmm. Westworld is like we have to go back for some reason. <laughs> Just like Lost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, it's, it's very interesting. I don't know. I've never felt more unsure of what the future of Westworld is than right now. <laughs> we knew that they were going to get into the real world and that some conflict with humans was going to occur. But now that we're up to that, I don't know what the roadmap is from here on out. So it feels like an exciting new frontier for the show and very curious to see what kind of shape it takes and and i I, like i said i love where everything ended up in season three i don't necessarily love how they got there so i think we're really primed for something interesting in season four i feel like given how often the show is kind of uh relevant to what's going on season four might spend a fair amount of time in dealing with caleb and sort of tearing down the establishment and the revolution that they're trying to move forward because given everything that's going on today, socially and politically and economically, it feels like they may want to capitalize on some of that and set the show during the, the months and years that immediately follow this episode. Yeah. I mean, I'm, there's also a world where like season four doesn't feature Bernard, which would make me really sad, but it's possible. Mm -hmm. So one other question I had, uh, where I forgot where are Bernard and Stubbs? Where's that hotel or motel? It's somewhere in California. I wondered if, and I haven't rewatched the scene, so I'm probably wrong, but everything that's in the room, like all the dust, could that be like sand or like ash from some sort of extinction event or some sort of like fallout style, could a could a bomb have it's gone off that possible. forced all that in there that we don't see? I guess the structure is still standing, so that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, but like, there's other questions about it. Like, why did nobody ever go into that hotel room? Yeah, again? I initially <laughs> thought it was sand. Like, I thought it was like sand. Like the window had been busted open at some point, and it had blown in there. But then somebody was saying, "Do you know how long it takes for that much dust to accumulate?" and I was like, okay, so yeah. maybe it was just dust. Somebody else said, too, that you could see footprints in the dust in front of him, like walking out away uh. and towards the door, which made me think, okay, Stubbs is fine. He just said, I got to go stitch myself up. And he's just been standing <laughs> sentinel over Bernard for like 80 years or something with a beard <laughs> and a shotgun. And I'm 100% Taking up Overwatch yeah. from the tub. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah doesn't it <laughs> that's that buddy cop movie we were waiting for yeah man mad yeah. max with yeah. bernard and Stubbs. yeah i'm in whatever sure. it is i'm in i'm in any other final thoughts for this season of westworld fm i just i really want to go back and rewatch it now yeah i yep. think i need i, I think too. i need that I, I think we all need that people keep yeah. writing in and join the discord you can tweet because we'll respond to those things for sure, I'm yeah, gonna post. Um, I'm gonna post the email that um, 
I'm going to post the email that Adam wrote in because I think it is very good and we can discuss a little bit there. I feel bad, but we, we are running pretty long. I got to get going. So, uh, Nick, thank you for joining me this season on Westworld FM. I appreciate it. Oh, don't it even. Much. I'm sorry that it was all <laughs> over the interwebs. Uh, no, you know, it was an interesting experience. I'm glad we got to make it work, though. We were able to at least see face to face. And uh, this is not, the future. Face to face, but. This yeah. is Death Stranding, but we're living it. <laughs> it's, it's very true. In our above-ground homes currently. I will gladly be the dumb stubs to your Bernard anytime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not true. You're the you're the Ford to my Arnold. Oh. <laughs> if only. <laughs> you guys are cute. John, thank you very much for joining us and for keeping yeah, the definitely. discussion alive in the Discord this season. I'm there. I'm there to, uh, you know, just bring the chaos, you know? It's good. <laughs> very good. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, it was fun. I'm glad you came on board. For sure. For this Anytime. episode. Always, always happy to join you guys. And, I, you know, I, I know I was hard on you guys at the beginning of the episode. I love the show. I love you both. Uh, just know that it comes from a place of love. No, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. And I was going to mention, I think Sidsa is the one that, that tweeted at me the, the mirror idea from the the um twitter account at day 11 podcast which i believe may also be a westworld podcast so maybe you should try that one out and you might like it more than this one (laughs) (laughs) even though you're not on it but uh, who knows yeah so thank you everybody who's been listening i'm very glad that a lot of people wrote into us at the end here it's awesome to know that people were listening to us this season and uh great to hear your thoughts and share them with everybody Honestly, yeah, and that that is what makes us want to keep doing it. Like sure. we, I mean, we were probably going to be back for season four no matter what, but it certainly helps to have people writing in, and, and you know, next time, I'll just don't save it for the, don't be like Westworld and save it all for the finale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next time I'll try to start whining earlier in the season and I'll let, uh, instead of just no. waiting for the, the, the emails to wash over me, we can, <laughs> we can get them sooner. So. All right. All right. Once again, you can find episodes of our podcast on Westworld.fm. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. We're Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can email us at WestworldFM at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, horror movies, and more. Check out all of our shows at the Midwest Podcast Network or at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin McLeod, and it is being used under an Attribution Creative Commons license. That is it for this season of Westworld FM, as well as the TV series Westworld. All signs point to season four being at some point in 2022, and we hope we'll be back then. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber.